Welcome to The Untrue Show, where I talk about the reality of being a millennial without the rants. I am back, and I hope that you guys have been doing really well. I'm actually back to my regular recording atmosphere, which I never really talk about, so I'll talk about it today. I'm in the living room of my apartment. Um, I usually just sit in my little spot on the sofa. Does anybody else have a spot on the sofa? It's like that one place where you always sit. And I think there's probably a dent here because I sit here all the time. So I'm sitting in that spot. I just had lunch and I am ready to talk. I prepared a whole episode about a topic that hopefully you guys will be into. And if not, hopefully it makes you think a little bit. I, over the last week, have just been trying to stay warm. I feel like in Atlanta, the cold front just hit and it's gotten to feel more like late fall than early fall. So it's very chilly, maybe in the 60s and then at night in the 30s. So trying to get my body to adjust to that temperature because it's really hard to get up in the morning and really hard to um, sleep at night. So finding my warm pajamas, getting, getting, you know, that cool weather groove. Um, some of the things that I do have to change, like I love getting up in the morning, going to the grocery store on the weekend and it's a little bit harder when it's like 37 degrees when you wake up. So I was maybe 30, 45 minutes behind my normal pace this morning and you know, the time moved back and I was thrown off by that too. So just, just adjusting, you know, shifts, shifts, adjustments and all those things that are happening right now, but we'll get there. That's the one thing about change. It's constant and, you know, pivots happen all the time. But this week, I really wanted to talk about um, the new Kanye West album, Jesus is King. So I actually listened to it um, in full. Maybe the day that it came out, I was out of town, like I said, in Birmingham and on my way back to Atlanta. So during the ride, I listened to the album and immediately had thoughts about it I know that he's been doing the Sunday service all over the place and that was one of the ways that he marketed the album is doing those Sunday service things I guess um at least that was the way I felt like he was marketing the album he did like a Sunday service tour I know he came to Atlanta he does them in California and you know being around the Kardashians I feel like that's like the number one marketing agency you can have on your side because they are all power marketers using digital marketing and social media and all those channels they market their brands almost I feel like a hundred percent on Instagram and Twitter and um all the apps that they use but the album's actually only 27 minutes long so it's not like it took me the whole trip to listen to it and get really deep or anything like that I just felt like my first reaction to the album is that it's very well put together, very well produced, which is what I would expect from a Kanye album because, you know, it's Kanye and that's his gift that he's a really great producer and he has a really great ear for sound. But what it really made me think about was religion, judgment, rejection, and even some of my own feelings about, you know, my relationship with God. So First and foremost, I went to this uh, retreat a couple years ago, and it was a retreat in the mountains in Tennessee, and it was it was different than anything I'd ever experienced before. Because you know, I go to church 
weekly and I have a relationship with God, but more in adulthood, I feel like that relationship is one I felt like I actually have to put work into. Whereas when I was younger, I felt more like the relationship was just like, oh, he's always there. Now, you know, being really engaged in church as an adult, I'm like, oh, this is something I have to pour into. This is something I have to have conversations with God and I have to read up on his word and get to know him and want to be close to him. And I just never thought that before. So back to that retreat, I drove to Tennessee for the retreat. And on the first night we ate dinner together and then we were sitting around a fire and this woman was playing the piano and singing songs like different worship songs. And, um, I wouldn't call them gospel. I would call them Christian worship songs. So a lot of the songs that we sing at church are like Hillsong songs or mosaic songs. So more in that vein of things and less in the vein of, um, Kirk Franklin. Think of it that way. So she's just playing acoustic music and everyone is reflecting. And this was new to me because, I mean, I go to church and I worship in church and I want to put my hands up and, you know, close my eyes and all that stuff. But this was the first time I was like, oh, we really have to, you know, kind of just sit here and be in our feelings on our own. And it was new. And um, in hindsight, ever since then, I've started doing more of that on my own where I just have those moments to myself, quiet moments with God and just reflect with him on my own as an individual. Uh, and I never saw it that way. I just saw it as like, oh, it's part of church. We sing a song and I sing a little bit, but I'm not really in my feelings in this moment, if you get what I'm saying. So as I listened to Kanye's album, it kind of made me think this is his in his feelings moment where he's crying out to God. Um, that's the first thought I had about it, because I think everyone should have a personal relationship routine where you know, if you believe in God, you spend time with him or whatever you believe in, <laughs> you know, you have to spend time as an individual person practicing that worship. And I know this album isn't the same as all the other things he's done. He's done, but it's not like Kanye's never, ever talked about God in his music because, you know, Jesus walks and uh, even Ultra Light Beam mentioned God. And I think he's always been a spiritual or Christian person. Um you know, to me, those are two different things, but I'm finding as I date, like a lot of guys believe that spirituality is one thing, though they might not believe in God. So I feel like there's a whole separate conversation, but a side note that's worth mentioning, but I've always believed that Kanye was a Christian because Jesus Walks is a song I think a Christian person would write, sing, proclaim, and that's just my perspective. Um when I heard the whole album, it kind of reminded me a lot of, I don't know if you guys have heard the Lauren Hill unplugged album that she did on MTV. If you're young or old enough to remember MTV unplugged was a thing when I was growing up where artists would come and do like an acoustic set through MTV. And it was really cool. And a lot of great song moments came out of that. Like Mariah Carey did, which song does she do? She did I'll Be There, like a remake or re a cover of the Jackson 5 song. And it was really unique to the point where it's it stands out on its own. Um, so that was a great moment from Unplugged. And then there are other moments where, what was the other one? Maxwell did This Woman's Work, which is not a Maxwell song. He did not write that song, but he covered it during his Unplugged. So that's a pretty big song moment because... 
a lot of people even think that Maxwell wrote that song now, but he did not. It's written by someone else. It's from this movie called She's Having a Baby. And it's a really, really great movie. And the song is actually about having a baby. So I think at the time we were not really ready for what Lauren Hill was singing about on this album. But in looking back on the music that she wrote at that time, it stands out a lot to me because it was very spiritual and it was very much not what people wanted to come to her unplugged and wanted to hear because she didn't cover her music in an acoustic style, which was what the premise of unplugged was. You come there, you sing your top songs, but they're acoustic and it's a really cool vibe and energy. She didn't do that. She sang, you know, what she wanted to sing, material she was working on, um, nothing like the original album, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill that had come out. She was singing like folk and soul songs with an acoustic guitar and spoken word interludes about personal struggles and stuff. So to to bring it all back, <laughs> I think that's a lot of what this album is with, with Kanye. The, it's produced at a much higher quality. Hers was a live recording I think it was just his time to kind of come in and release and have his his solo time with God. But he just kind of recorded it for the world and, you know, for all of us to hear and to listen to and take from. I think sometimes and I know professionally I've felt this way before and kind of feel this way now. You get to a point where you you get started in your career and you're really excited because things are moving and you know you're talented and you feel you feel like there's so much hope and opportunity but then you kind of get to a wall or you know like I said before the cul-de-sac where it's like I'm going in circles and going in circles and going in circles or even a hamster wheel where it's just going around and around and around and I think that's where I kind of see where he's coming from is like okay I can't keep doing things how I used to do them Kanye can't make college dropout again he can't make 808s and heartbreaks he can't do all the things he did before because he's not even that person so looking at that is is a big part of you know why I don't feel a lot of I don't have a lot of criticism towards what he's trying to do with this album because I get it like you can't go back to who you were 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Like that's not even where your mindset is. So as fans to expect him to create from that space, it's unrealistic. And as professionals for us to be expected to keep accepting things for how they are and not want to, you know, make more money or take on more responsibility or have more authority, you know, like those things I think are just natural parts of getting older growing up evolving in your career so as I found parallels between those two albums I thought a lot about that is some of this is coming from I just have got to a point where I can't do things the old way but the new way is going to piss a lot of people off however remaining the same is going to hurt me in the long run and I think I'm seeing a lot of that in some of his interviews the way he reacts and the way that he talks to people you can kind of see it in 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 you know his eyes and I know he has other issues or problems I definitely don't want to go into that but I just think it just kind of comes to a point where you're like I can't take it and I can't be this or you know I can't accept things at at the way that they are so there has to be some kind of break to help me change or move past this 
and I feel it. I I was like, I feel where, where this is coming from, where, you know, what he's getting at. I, it made me think about other famous religious things that happen in media. Um, and I just believe that entertainers are entertainers. So they are here to entertain us. And that's the value that they bring to the world. And that's how I see Kanye as an entertainer. He does have a level of influence that regular people just don't have. And I think that there's a there's a obligation to be responsible with that influence. But I don't feel influenced in a negative way by what he's doing. So just let it be what it is. Um, but it made me think about when I was younger, the Madonna video, Like a Prayer, uh, was so controversial and a lot of people were really offended by the imagery in her video I think she had a crucifixion and just different things and it was you know people just had a big problem with it and it's funny how people had so much issue with all the things she did looking at all the things that artists do now but that's neither here nor there so that's my first kind of moment of religious depiction in the media and the second one is, I don't know if you guys remember that movie Saved. Mandy Moore is in it. Um, and I remember it came out in like the later, was it early 2000s? Where I think one of the girls in the movie gets pregnant. And she's at this Christian school. And so they're very judgmental about everything she's going through. Which is almost, you know, an oxymoron. To be at a Christian school and ostracized for getting pregnant. Macaulay Culkin was in it. And also Gina Malone. And she basically the girl tries to cure her boyfriend because he was gay. And so when she gets pregnant, they just really start bullying her. And it was just, you know, not pretty. So think about things like that. It's like you want to be. Um, I know one thing we talk about the ch- at church is the prodigal son where in the Bible there's like one son that's a sinner and he leaves home and then he comes back and the dad embraces him with open arms. But then the other son has been like really falling in line with the rules and trying to keep things in order and working really hard. And he has a problem with the dad, oh, you know, welcoming the other son who's a sinner back in with open arms and as you hear this story, I didn't, I didn't, I never heard it before. So I'm like, I don't know where this is going. Well, the the thing about it is one of the sons was really self-righteous by judging the dad for allowing the other son to come back home, even though he had sinned. And so I think there's two sides of it. Like you can be this super sinner or you can be this really self-righteous person who judges the sinner, but really we're not supposed to be on either extreme. We're supposed to be forgiving and show each other grace. So I think when you look at it that way you're like oh I can't really judge what he's doing here but you know I can take what I can from it and be encouraged by it and you know so it kind of makes us ask like what's worse being the sinner or being the self-righteous because both are equally bad but on two different spectrums of the scale and the last religious depiction in media that I always think about is I'm a big fan of the Simpsons so there's one Simpsons episode that always it will always be in my top 10 episodes of the Simpsons. And it's this episode called Bart sells his soul. Um, if you've never seen it, it's, you know, you might've never seen it, but when I was younger, they used to play the Simpsons reruns a lot more often. And I feel like they used to play this one a lot. It's one of the, it's the fourth episode of the seventh season of the Simpsons. So that means it came on in like 1995. 
and in this episode, Bart is get, he gets punished for playing a prank at church, and he decides there's no such thing as a soul. So he sells his soul to Milhouse, which is his best friend. If you've never seen The Simpsons, so Milhouse is his best friend. Um, and ultimately, you know, Lisa, who's Bart's sister, who's like super super smart, was like, "Hey, you're gonna really regret selling your soul to Milhouse." And he was like, nobody has a soul, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, long story short, he starts experiencing like really, really weird things. And he basically regrets selling his soul. And so this one is one of my favorite episodes just because it's like Bar essentially is trying to say, I'm not a believer. I'm not a believer. And in my mind, God came and showed him, you need to believe. After he made the statements that he didn't need a soul, he sold his soul. He started feeling really empty and having visions of everyone else having that as part of their lives where he was missing it. And as I researched the episode again, I noticed that they use it in, um, they've studied that episode. They've written about it. Uh, in the psychology of the Simpsons and then they really they use it to teach teachings like religious teachings so it's it was a pretty poignant episode for that reason especially me seeing it as a kid I'm like wow you know one the fact that they depicted all this and you know it's the Simpsons a lot of times they depict a lot of things in a humorous way but they're really trying to send a message and that's what I got from this I was like okay this is enjoyable but most cartoons are not talking about religion but it just talks about it it, it just kind of addresses faith in a way that I think was understandable to me as a kid where I was like oh I do need God in my life um, that's, that's what I took from it. Even though they were talking about souls, I was like, I can't denounce him. I need him. It makes me think about on the flip side, another, uh, addressing of that kind of topic is the Shirley Caesar song. I remember mama. And I always think about that song when I was little because she sings. And then in the middle of the song, she tells a story about how she was a kid and they were playing church and, they would act like they got the Holy Ghost. And her mom would tell her, like, you need to stop doing that. You need to stop playing with God that way. And finally, they start playing the game one day. And what ends up happening is they're playing, but she got the Holy Spirit within her. And she just couldn't stop jumping and shouting. And, you know, her mom had told her, like, stop playing. Like, this, you you playing but this is serious. And so just examples like that where, you know, you get the secular version, but then you get the really, really religious version. So faith is, and and God is everywhere. And I think he can use people and he can use stories to really plant seeds in us that can help us grow closer to him. And that's the way I wanted to look at this album as I listen. And I also have to admit, he has a really, really great choir that opens up the album because as soon as I turned it on I was like oh this is I can I can I can do this I like this song and it's the very very first song on there every hour uh with the choir and I ended up watching his um airplane karaoke instead of doing the carpool karaoke they did airplane karaoke they sang back to life Jesus walks um, they did torn by Natalie Umbrulia, but they changed the words to be gospel. 
Uh, and it was really, really cool. And I enjoyed that. But like I'm saying, like, I don't know where these people in the choir came from because they are phenomenal. And it made me really miss old gospel music with the big choir and, you know, the church where they put a lot of time into the music. The church I go to is more um, the Christian kind of more rock style music, which I appreciate some Sundays. But then sometimes I'm like, man, I just want to hear some harmonies and, you know, deep, deep in terms of a lot of people because <laughs> it's normally maybe like three or four singers on our stage and I'm talking like the deep serious choir where it's a lot of people because when he did the airplane car- karaoke it was full the plane was full but the everybody in the seat he was like okay y'all ready to sing and they started singing back to life which if you hear the words from back to life I feel like they could make you, you know, stir something up in you in terms of a spiritual way, but they're, they're pretty good. So I would, I would recommend, you know, checking back to life out the regular version. And then even the one they did on airplane karaoke, it's definitely on my workout playlist. (laughs) Um, But speaking of workout playlist, I would definitely put um, the water song from the album. And I really liked on God. Um, I love the song Use Gospel because Kenny G was on it. And right now I'm just really into the saxophone energy. Like the saxophone is very soothing yet sexy. So I'm always down for a song that has a sax in it. So um, it uh, other than that, like that's not my most favorite song, but I do like the saxophone being in it. And like I said, the album's only 27 minutes long. So it's not like you're wasting your life. And it looks like it was distributed by, um, getting out our dreams too. I wonder, is that Kanye's label that he's starting to do more from or how that's going to work? It's just a separate imprint from what is his normal thing? Good music, I think. Um, yeah, but Anyway, I hope that this episode, you know, motivates you guys to think a little bit um, and just to try to see where different ways that you see God in your everyday life and different areas that you're pulling in motivation from, because that's what it did for me. It kind of just made me think like I miss my personal worship time with the music. Um, I'm usually pretty, pretty good about doing it, but I probably need to switch up my playlist now and, you know, some, some different songs to it, but I just think everybody needs that one-on-one time where they're just they're going deep with their faith or their spirituality and I think that's what this album was for him and if you listen to it what it could motivate you to do for yourself and I hope you listen next time I will be back soon and if you'd like to stay connected you can follow me on Twitter I'm the great Dana J on Facebook I'm the great Dana J and Instagram too the great Dana J uh and my blog is relaunching soon so i'll be able to direct you guys there and we will start a subscription so you can get email notifications of this podcast i'm a couple weeks in i set a goal to keep posting through the end of the year and i've had a really great time doing that and can't wait for you guys to hear what i have planned next Make sure that we stay in touch. And if you've enjoyed these episodes so far or this episode in particular, try to rate me in the iTunes store or Google Play, wherever you're listening or Podbean. That's my podcast host. And I will be back soon. Thanks for listening to The Untrue Show.